All right, well, good morning. I'll go ahead, uh, in the interest of time, we'll get started and get out of here on time so you can guys get on to this uh, 10 o'clock mud race we're about to do. <laughs> and uh, uh, Well, Lord, thanks a lot for bringing us this morning. Um, we're thankful for everything, the weather included. We're just thankful to be at a racetrack. What, uh, what better place could we be uh, than the house of the Lord at a racetrack? And uh, so we're grateful for all good things in our lives, and we just invite you to be a part of our morning, be a part of our day, be a part of our life. Open our hearts to understand your word, and open my lips to say the words that you would have to say, and just give me uh, Holy Spirit-anointed guidance this morning as I put uh, as I put forth what you laid on my heart. I love you, Lord, and look forward to what you're doing this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. That's Hebrews 11, verse 1, talking about faith. By faith... We understand that the universe was created by the Word of God so that what is seen is not made out of things that are visible. Now, if you were here last week, we talked a little bit about a story of a guy named Elijah. And Elijah was uh, living in the Old Testament time. He lived about almost 3,000 years ago, and he was a prophet of God, which means that he had a message to deliver to the people. And specifically, he had to go to King Ahab and tell Ahab, hey, straighten up, or there's going to be, there's gonna be a, a tough time. And Ahab, of course, he didn't straighten up. So Elijah, finally, he gathers all the people up on Mount Carmel, and he says, you guys have to make a decision today. Who are you going to serve? Are you going to serve Baal, or are you going to serve God? You keep wavering between these two opinions. You've got to figure it out. And so here's what we're going to do. We're going to make two sacrifices. We're going to put two uh, altars up here, and each of us are going to pray to our God, and whoever delivers fire from heaven to light these sacrifices on fire, that'll be God. And the people agreed to that, and the prophets of Baal agreed to that, which is really crazy, because how are you going to pray to somebody and have them send fire out of heaven? But the point was, was that Elijah did pray to God. The prophets of Baal prayed to their God, nothing happened. Elijah prayed to God, fire came from heaven, consumed the sacrifice, consumed the wood, the altar, the dust, even the water that had been poured all over the sacrifice. And so the point of last week was, it doesn't matter how sincere you are in your beliefs. It matters what you believe. So what do you believe? And that's what we're going to look at today. What, what do you believe? There are hundreds. There might even be thousands of religions in the world today, but it boils down to uh, re recent research in the last couple of years shows that there are 43 major religions of the world. And these range from things that maybe you've not heard of, like the Bahi faith, to things that you have heard of, like uh, Buddhism, Shintoism, Scientology, population of two, Tom Cruise and John Travolta, uh, and all the, all the old people in Hollywood, all the way up to um, Christianity. Christianity is the largest religion, and I'm hesitant to call it a religion. I, I say I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, but if you want to call it a religion, Christianity would be the largest religion in the world today. But there's a couple of, uh, there's a couple, what hesitate to say problems, but there are a couple questions that people have regarding Christianity. And one question that people have regarding Christianity is, well, that's based on this ancient book that y'all call the Bible. That book is so old, it's, it's comprised of, of letters and, and writings that are thousands of years old, scraps of paper that people have found throughout the Mediterranean area, the Mediterranean basin. These little scraps of paper, you put them all together, you got this thing called the Bible, it's been passed on and it's been, it's been regurgitated and translated over the years, passed on generation to generation for years and years and thousands of years, and you call this thing the Bible, and that's what you base your beliefs on. And it's a little bit like believing in a fairy tale, isn't it? I mean, these stories like Elijah, you think that really happened? I know when I was a kid, my family had this, uh, had this big book of um, Disney fairy tales. 
And it had a story in there. It had a, it had a bunch of stories in there. One of them was about these little mice, and they lived in a swampland. I think it was called The Rescuers. And that was cool. I liked that story. It had Cinderella, and that was stupid. Because how are you going to wear a glass slipper, right? <laughs> glass slippers, they, how would you get any traction? You can't walk in. They'd probably break. You know, the mind of an eight-year-old little boy. I never cared for that. But that's how we equate the Bible sometimes. Is, man, it's full of all these stories. You can tell your kids the story of Elijah at nighttime. You can tell them the story of David and how he killed Goliath. And, you know, he took these five smooth stones and he put one of them in a slingshot. And round and round he went. He popped that giant right in the middle of the forehead and the giant fell down. But you got to be careful. Because as you continue the story, you know, then David took the giant's sword and he cut off his head. Now sleep tight. <laughs> doesn't really work out for a fairy tale the way the Disney books of fairy tales work out. But that's the Bible. And, 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 and here's, here's the thing. Faith is the assurance of things that are hoped for, the conviction of things that you can't see. Do you know what the number, th the number three religion in the world is? Christianity, Islam, atheism. Well, hold on a second. Atheism, that's, not a, that's like the absence of religion. That's the opposite of religion, right? Faith. It takes faith to believe in something. You can't prove to me that there isn't a God. And we can't take two pieces of dust and put them in a vacuum tube and shake them up and have a little explosion that results in some sort of order. It takes faith to believe in nothing. It takes faith to believe in something. And so as we look at Christianity, the largest religion in the world, what we base our hope on, what we base our assurance on, this thing called Christianity, the belief in Jesus, and we finished this up last week, it doesn't matter how sincere you are in your beliefs, it matters what you believe, and God came to a guy named Abraham way, way, way back, and he promised him that he would make a great nation out of him, and through, all, through him all the peoples of the earth would be blessed. And God has continued to, to fulfill that promise through his son, Jesus Christ. But is that what you believe in? Is, is that where we're going? Here's the biggest problem. I want to address the biggest problem with Christianity today. The problem that many people have, the problem that I've had, the problem that many of you have had today is that I have tried that and it didn't work. I tried what I believed, what I sincerely believed to be true, and coming to these chapel services, man, you've convinced me that this is the truth, that the Bible is true. I know that there is a God, and I know that the Bible's true, and I know that there was a man named Jesus, I know he walked this earth, and I believe all that, but you know what? It didn't work for me. I've tried it, and it didn't turn out the way that I thought it would. It didn't turn out the way that you said it would turn out. That's the biggest problem with Christianity, but I've got a secret for you. God doesn't always come through for me either. You see this bike sitting right here, the number 33 bike? That actually belongs to Gavin Grasick. And you might remember the name Gavin Grasick. Uh, he was a supercross rider just a few years ago. He rode for uh, Troy Lee Honda, also rode for Joe Gibbs Yamaha. He's been racing up in Canada. He's a fast rider. And he's been a Christian for a long time. He's always been bold about his faith. He's always walked in his faith. And he's had some really bad things happen in his life. In 2006, his fiance died. Uh, his father died uh, during his racing career. It seems like just as he was getting on top of his career, he'd have a season-ending injury. And he'd have to start all over from the bottom and work his way back up to the next ride. Well, Gavin's been, he's been solid in his faith. He's been a solid Christian guy for a long time. And he's been racing, like I said, up in Canada. Uh, and we've got Team Faith. We have an arena cross team. And so every winter, you know, as soon as GNCC ends, I'm building bikes for arena cross. We go arena cross racing all winter long. Matter of fact, there are, there's an overlap between GNCC and arena cross. So the, the people have asked, where's the big rig? Well, the big rig is in Hidalgo, Texas right now. They just did two nights of arena cross racing uh, last night. Um, 
So we contacted Gavin. We said, hey, man, we got an opening on our team. Jeff Gibson was riding for us last year. He has retired. So now we got Kelly Smith. We need a second rider. Would you be willing to ride for Team Faith? He's like, man, I, I don't know anything about arena cross, but I bet I could figure it out. And so um, KTM has been really, really good to us the last couple of years. And they've, they've sponsored our team, built our bikes for us. And uh, so they sent out a couple of practice bikes, sent this one down to Gavin. And uh, Gavin lives in southern Georgia near Millsaps training facility. And so he is out at Millsaps every day, riding and putting hours on this bike and training and, and working out at the gym. He's a trainer at the gym. And so he's, he's really fit. He's fast. We showed up at the first round in Worcester, Massachusetts, and, uh, and he was fast. He came out of the gate, and he was, he was in the top ten immediately. Never been on an arena cross track before, and, and he was fast. He knew what he was doing. Had it dialed in, and uh, that night, um, the arena cross does a, a two-moto format, kind of like outdoor nationals. And uh, in the second moto, he got third place, and he was up on the podium. And he fulfilled exactly what we want to do with Team Faith, using our gifts and talents to glorify Jesus Christ, specifically from the podium. And so he's on the podium. He gave God all the glory. And it was, it was really a cool moment. We're like, man, this is going to be a good season. The next round, we go to Baltimore. I think he tangled bars with somebody going up the face of the catapult jump, and, and it shot him sideways, and he went off this jump, and he flat-landed on the concrete apron that goes around the track, and he jammed his wrist so hard that he sprained it, and he cracked all the bones in his wrist, just cracked them up, and just he had no grip. He had no strength after that, so he wasn't able to keep racing that night. And so we started praying, and we get in the rig, and we pray, God, would you heal Gavin? Man, we believe that you've called him, you've blessed him, you've given him talents and abilities, you, you've you've brought him to this place in time for such a time as this we just pray your supernatural empowerment on him and heal his body so that he can race again so he can once more bring you glory the way that uh, way that we feel that you've called us to do and we pray that and gavin would be feeling strong he's like man my wrist feels pretty good this is cool he'd go out on the track and something would happen you know skimming the whoops he, he, it would, he would drop in or do something wrong and he'd jam that wrist again couldn't ride and we did that race after race after race and finally, we realize God's not going to answer that prayer the way that we want Him to at this point in time. And so Gavin's still been going to the races, but he hasn't even been racing because his wrist is so... The harder he tries, the worse it gets. And so we finally realized, well, Gavin's not going to be able to race, and so uh, there's an overlap with Arena Cross and GNCC, and I was down in Florida last week with all you guys, and after, after Florida, I drove up to southern Georgia to Gavin's house, and I got to meet his wife. He's got a new baby, a little baby girl, and... Got to hang out with the family, and but uh, Brian, the owner of Team Faith, the founder of Team Faith, rather, he said, hey, while you're there, Gavin's bike, his practice bike, has so many hours on it, we got to do something with it. Either you need to rebuild it or we need to send it back to KTM and get it freshened up. Don't know what we're going to do with it, but he's not able to ride. Hate to have that bike sitting around, so pick it up and bring it back to Nashville with you. And so I did. I said, all right, well, let's go out to, let's go out to Millsaps to the garage and pick up your bike, and we go out there, and as we're, we're switching out some triple clamps and whatever, and he's just like, man, you're taking my bike. I said, I know, but you can't ride it, and you got so many hours on this thing, it's got to get rebuilt, right? Yeah, but can't you just do it right here? I said, well, I don't know. So he calls up Brian. He's like, man, you're taking my bike. And, uh, and Brian's like, well, we got to do something with it. So at the end of it, I've got his bike, and I'm leaving his house, and he's bummed because he can't ride. He's bummed because his, his wrist is all jacked up. I'm driving down the road. I'm bummed because I feel like I just repoed the guy's bike. And I didn't, but still, I'm feeling kind of down. And, and uh, so as I'm driving down the road, as I often do, I pulled out my iPhone, 
and I, I pulled up a podcast, and I like to listen to messages while I'm going down the road, and sometimes that's where I get ideas for, for something to say here. And sometimes God just encourages me through something that somebody else has to say. And um, so I'm, I, I switched things up, and I started listening to a guy that I rarely listen to. His name's Bob Coy at a Calvary Chapel in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. He's an energetic, entertaining speaker. And, uh, and Bob Coy gets going on, and he starts talking about the providence of God, talking about how God provides. And, and Bob Coy starts talking about how God provides for even their church in a time of need. Like, they need somebody. And what do you know? The providence of God just shows up, and the right person is there for the right time for the right job. And I start thinking, man, how many times have I prayed for some help on Team Faith? We've been praying for years. And then Bob Coy starts talking about and and buildings too. We, the providence of God, man. We needed a building for for our bigger for our new campus, and it had to be a bigger and better better location. And the providence of God, the right building was there at the right time. And at that point, I've never yelled at God, and yet at this point, I just lost it. I was driving down the road on I-75 just south of Macon, Georgia, and I pounded my fist on the steering wheel, and the horn goes off, and I'm like, God. What is up? The providence of God? I don't see it. I've prayed for years for help for Team Faith. I've prayed for finances. I've prayed for a building for Team Faith. We're working on stuff out in the yard. And it's 20 degrees outside and it's sleeting on us. We're trying to get stuff going. And here you got this guy talking about the providence of God. I'm not seeing it. Do you only care about the mega church preachers? Or what about the little guy? And then I, and then I realized what I'd done. I just yelled at God. So I looked out the window and I looked up to see the storm clouds. And the sky was clear. And the story of Elijah that we talked about last week, it continued. Elijah had a what's up God moment. He said, God, what's up with this? I don't understand what you're doing. Do you not see what I'm going through down here? And God took him up to the top of a mountain. And he sent him out on the he hit him in a cave for a couple days and he sends him out on the side of the mountain. Elijah wanted to hear from God. And so God sent a windstorm. Broke rocks loose off this mountain. And God was not in the windstorm. Sent a firestorm, destroyed everything. God was not in the firestorm. Sent an earthquake, God was not in the earthquake. And in this small, still whisper, said, Elijah, what are you doing? And so in this moment on I-75, as I'm going off on God and I realize what I've done, I stop, I look up, and I'm like, oh man. And I hear this small, still whisper. And the interesting thing is, is that God never answers a question. If you notice that, He almost always asks a question. And so his question to me, that small, still voice to me was, Chuck, what do you believe? Like, what, what do I believe? What's the tenet of your faith? What do you, at the end of the day, what do you believe? Well, I believe, I believe that there's God. I believe that he created heaven and earth. I believe that there's an eternity, that eternity lasts forever, and that our time on this earth is very short. I believe that God revealed Himself throughout history to certain people and to prophets, and ultimately to, through Jesus Christ, His Son, who He sent to this earth. Jesus was born of a virgin. He lived a perfect and holy life. He died, He was buried, and He resurrected again on the third day. Today, He sits at the right hand of the Father in heaven. He's coming back again someday because He said that He would. I believe the Bible is true, and I believe that God loves me. That's what I believe. And as I was driving down the road, I realized I just quoted the Apostles' Creed. Now, if you've never heard the Apostles' Creed, if you're from a Catholic background, you've probably heard it many times. And there's a line in the, the Apostles' Creed that I'm about to read to you. And uh, it talks about the Holy Catholic Church. This creed was written well before the establishment of the Catholic Church as we know it today. Catholic in Greek simply means whole or, or universal. So the church as a whole, the body of Christ as Christ designed it to be. So here's the Apostles' Creed. Let me read it for you. 
I believe in God, the Father Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, He rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen. That's what I believe. That's what I stake my claim on. That's what I can sink my teeth into when the sands are shifting, when I've had a bad day. That's what I believe. And I'm gripped by it. And as I drove down the road, and I started thinking about this, that this, this ancient faith that I believe in, this thing that I stake my claim on, was written, this Apostles' Creed was written in the first and second century, immediately after Jesus had ascended into heaven and the church was, was spreading like wildfire. But as the church spread, persecution spread. Because Jesus was not very well accepted. They had killed him. And then there's a whole bunch of people saying that he had risen from the dead. And just like today, there's a, there, Paul, when he was writing the part of the New Testament, he explained that we, saw, we wage a spiritual battle. And that as, as Jesus has risen from the dead, there's also Satan alive and he's active. And he's seeking, and Peter explains that he's seeking to destroy. And, uh, and so this, this battle was raging in the first and second century. And so there was persecution, extreme persecution. And as the church banded together, they, they took the books of the New Testament that were being written at the time by the apostles, like Peter and James and Paul, not necessarily the disciples of Jesus, but the early church leaders. And the, the early church leaders wrote the 27 books of the New Testament as we know it today. And so the, the early church leaders, they took out what is the tenet of our faith, what holds us together, what, what pulls us in, what do we have in common? And they wrote the Apostles' Creed. And they stood on that creed. And, and this is what they lived by. But as they lived by it, the, the persecution arose. And Nero was one of the early emperors after Jesus had ascended into heaven. And Nero probably the most evil man that ever lived. Made Hitler look tame. Nero, Nero, um, he, he invented new ways of torture, new ways of persecution. One of his things that he's famous for is he would take, a, he would take Christians, he would tie them or nail them to a stake, just a stake, not a cross, but a stake, and he would place those stakes around his courtyard, around his palace. And at dusk, he would pour petroleum oil over, over the Christian while the Christian was still alive. And then he would light fire to it. And he would stroll around his courtyard, listening to the screams of dying Christians as they burned to death at the pole. He's also one of them that introduced, um, I forget the Latin word for it, but the, uh, the damnation by beast, basically. Lions. We've seen that, you know, the, the Gladiator movie where the lion comes out. Well, that was actually a real thing, where lions would come out and they would tear up the Christians, uh, not necessarily in the Colosseum, but in little arenas. This was a, a famous thing to do. And so this persecution that was spreading, all because these people were standing on the tenets of this creed. I believe in God, the Father. I believe that He created everything. I believe in His Son, Jesus Christ, who was born of a virgin, who lived a perfect life. And they would, they would recite this creed. And that's what bound them together. And so as I was driving down the road, the next question I had, and God didn't have to ask me, I, I was able to come up with this one on my own. Hey, Chuck, would you rather be in an arena and get attacked by lions, or would you rather be in an arena as a mechanic for a pro-level dirt bike team who wants to use dirt bikes to glorify Jesus Christ? And that might include driving long hours, working long hours, working out in the cold, and I, the answer is easy. Anything but lions. Yeah, man, I am lucky. I live in 2014. Would you rather? 
Would you rather be tied to a pole and set on fire? Or would you like to let your light shine before men so they can see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven? Even if that means being stranded on the side of the road in the middle of nowhere, Iowa, when it's negative 20 degrees and you've got a torch out trying to, trying to thaw out your, uh, your fuel pump on your rig. Man, I'll do that all day long versus being tied to a pole. And you know, the point of that is not that I've got it so much better than those early Christians. Because that's comparative theology. When you start comparing yourself to somebody else about how much better you've got it, well, that's what got me in trouble. I compared myself to Bob Coy of Calvary Chapel. God, why are you doing for him what you're not doing for me? Comparative theology always takes us to, to a selfish road. The point of this is that if these guys, if these guys 2,000 years ago were willing to die by this, my God, I can live by it. And I don't have all the answers. There are things that I don't understand. Knock and the door will be open. Ask and, you'll, and it'll be given to you. Seek and you'll find. I don't have the answers for all that. What I do know is that Jesus himself didn't have a prayer answered. Jesus prayed and his prayer wasn't answered. On, on his last night on this earth, he prayed. He said, God, if there's any other way, let this cup pass from me. If there's any way that we can do this whole salvation of the world thing without nailing me to a cross, can we do it that way? And God didn't answer him. And on the cross, Jesus cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus had a prayer request that wasn't answered. But here's, here's another thing that I know. I ain't dead. God ain't done. Just because my prayer request hasn't been answered today doesn't mean that God's not alive and active and working in my life even though I might not be able to see it and might not be able to figure it out. This creed, the Apostles' Creed, that I can live by, because these guys can die by, I can die by that creed, but because it's so powerful, I can live by it. Third Day uh, sang a song called Creed, where they sing basically the Apostles' Creed. And in it, they sing a line that says, I did not change it, but it is changing me. That's the power of the Gospel. It changes us from the inside out. The only thing is, it's got to be more than the head knowledge. It's got to be down in here. I believe that I believe that I believe that there is a God, that He loves me, that He sent His Son to die for I believe that. I know it. I'll stake my claim on it. I'll stake my death on it because I'll stake my death on it. I'll live by it. When you believe like that, it'll change. There's a warning about head knowledge, though. James, the brother of Jesus, the half-brother of Jesus, one of the early apostles to the church, writing a letter to the church in Jerusalem who was undergoing severe persecution at the time. He says this. He says, You believe there's only one God? You do well. Even the demons believe, and they shudder. We get a bigger picture of this in the last book of the Bible, Revelation chapter 12. It says, and this was before the beginning of time. It says, Now war arose in heaven, Michael and his angels fighting against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back. But he was defeated, and there was no longer any room for him in heaven. And the great dragon was thrown down, that ancient serpent, who is called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. He was thrown down to earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. Satan the deceiver and his angels, which became the demons, they saw God with their very eyes. They experienced God with their very lives, and yet they rebelled against Him. Satan the deceiver, thrown down to this earth, and what's the first thing that we see that he did? He deceived mankind, the first two human beings, Adam and Eve. Comes up to him and says, Hey, did God say you can't do that? If you do that, you will be like God. The great, uh, the great lie of this world. You can control your own life. You can be God of your life. And as long as we cling to that idea, we will never have it down in here that there is a God who loves me so much that He sent His Son to die for me. You will never have that life-changing power within you. 
But I'd say that probably most people under this tent today, we've at some point accepted Jesus Christ as our Savior. If you haven't, today's a great day to take care of that. You're not guaranteed tomorrow. But most of us have done that. We've said at some point, I know that God loves me. I know He sent His Son to die for me. I believe it with everything that I have. God, will you forgive my sin? Bring me into your family. Make me a new creation. We've done that, but it's also so easy to get sidetracked. I know it because I get sidetracked all the time, as I've just admitted to you today. But if you know what you believe in, and it's enough to sustain you in death, it's enough to sustain you in life. God, thanks a lot for this morning. Just thanks for the reminder that you do love us and that you've invited us into relationship with you. And all it takes is belief. But belief at the gut level, not just at the head level where we say, yeah, we know that there's a God. God, I just pray that every person under here that we will really turn to you and say, okay, God, I give you my whole life. Yeah, I might not understand everything that you're doing, but I give it to you anyway. Forgive us for our unbelief. We want to be better than we are today. We want to be who you created us to be. Just lead us in the right way. For those that don't know you as their Savior, God, just put a burden on them that they can't ignore until they come and get things right with you. Keep us safe as we go out there and race in the mud. Bless those kids that are out there racing right now. Help them to have fun. We look forward to meeting again. Be with us as we go. In the name of Jesus, amen. Thanks, you guys, for showing up. Uh, Despite the rain and the cold weather, it's good to see everybody. If you need anything, you know where to find me.